After today, there are only two more days in April. After today, there are 247 days left in 2022. But for now, it is still April 28th, and this is the appropriate version of Charlottesville Community Engagement. After this installment, it is my hope that you will know slightly more than you did before. I cannot quantify precisely. I am Sean Tubbs, the host and producer. On today's program, the Jefferson Madison Regional Library is celebrating National Poetry Month today with a series of scrolls. The General Assembly takes action on Governor Youngkin's vetoes and recommendations. The Virginia Film Festival is taking submissions and Virginians get a break on fees. And Charlottesville City Council approves a rezoning for 170 units in the Fry Spring area. In today's first subscriber-supported shout-out, Preservation Piedmont wants you to know about this Saturday's premiere of Raised, Raised, a film by filmmaker Lorenzo Dickerson and Jordi Yeager about the life and destruction of Vinegar Hill, one of the oldest African-American neighborhoods in Charlottesville. The Maupin Town Media production charts the lives of residents over nearly a century as they built prosperity in the face of racially discriminatory policies at every level. The film will be shown outdoors at the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center at 8 p.m. Tickets are available on the center's website with donations to be divided between seven black-led organizations. Visit jeffschoolheritagecenter.org to learn more. Virginia legislators returned to Richmond yesterday to continue the 2022 regular session of the General Assembly by responding to vetoes and recommendations from Governor Glenn Youngkin. Before both the House of Delegates and Senate convened at noon, the House Democratic Caucus met and ousted Minority Leader Eileen Filler-Korn. Brandon Jarvis of the Virginia Political Newsletter reports a secret ballot motion to remove filler corn passed with 25 votes. That's the minimum required by caucus bylaws. There are 48 Democrats in the 100-member House of Delegates. Jarvis reports a motion to remove Delegate Sharnil Herring as caucus chair failed. There was no vote for a new leader. In total, Governor Yunkin had vetoed 26 bills and made recommendations and changes to 117 others. David Blunt, legislative liaison for the Thomas Jefferson Planning District Commission, reports in his update to area officials that none of the vetoes were overridden. Blunt also reports that no action was taken on the state budget, but the chair of the Senate Finance and Appropriations Committee had an update. Here is Senator Janet Howell. We're working to resolve our differences while also maintaining the Senate position as it relates to the importance of funding core services, especially in the areas of education and health and human services. For a full recap of the action on the vetoes and recommendations, check out the Virginia Mercury's coverage. There's a link in the newsletter. We'll hear more from Howell in tomorrow's installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. The final round of briefs in a federal case to force a House of Delegates race this November may have been filed this week. 
Richmond attorney Paul Goldman filed suit against the Board of Elections last year, claiming the certification of winning candidates in the 2021 race was not valid because the districts are outdated because they are based on the 2010 census. In March, the U.S. Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals sent the case back to the Eastern District of Virginia to answer the question of whether Goldman has the right to have filed the suit. In a new brief filed on Monday, Solicitor General Andrew Ferguson argues Goldman does not have standing. Here's a section from that motion. Goldman's brief is long on rhetoric but falls short on standing, the only question the Fourth Circuit authorized this court to answer. He offers no explanation of how he has suffered the sort of particularized injury in fact that Article 3 requires for any plaintiff who wants to invoke federal jurisdiction. The brief goes on to argue that the action by the Virginia Supreme Court to adopt new legislative boundaries in late December did nothing to invalidate the elections of 2021. The Supreme Court merely drew the maps for the next election. The Commonwealth of Virginia's conduct of the 2021 election did not violate the United States Constitution. The brief also argues that a federal judicial order to hold a state election this year would be intrusive and would lead to judicially created confusion. The state also argues that oral argument on this question is not necessary. In response, Goldman filed a surrebuttal, arguing that the state's latest motion introduced new matters that he deserves to have the right to respond to. On Tuesday, Judge David Novak did issue an order supporting Goldman's request to consider a case called Avery v. Midland County as he reviews how to proceed with the case. If you happen to be on the Charlottesville downtown mall today, you may have someone approach you with a small scroll. If so, take it and rejoice that you have been handed an item of poetry. The Jefferson Madison Regional Library is once again celebrating Poem in Your Pocket Day at several locations throughout the area. Here's a section from the information release. On this annual International Day, honoring the power of poetry to inspire and delight, children, teens, and adults are invited to stop by any JMRL library branch to pick out a poem scroll tied with a bow. Unwrap it, and possibilities unfold. Read it to yourself, share it with someone close, or even a stranger, or just tuck it in your pocket for a rainy day. The library system has teamed up with local businesses and other organizations for this occasion. Partners include Second Act Books, Botanical Fair, Chaps, Mudhouse Downtown, Splendora's Gelato at the shops at Stonefield, UVA Medical Center, and the Virginia Discovery Museum. There's also a virtual program at 2 p.m. with an afternoon with Laura Chauvin. The poet and children's author will discuss her work with supervising children's librarian Tasha Burkhead. Chauvin is the author of The Last Fifth Grade of Emerson Elementary. Tonight at 7 p.m., there will be a Poetry in the Park reading at Market Street Park next to the library. Everyone can get up and read their favorite poem at an open mic event, and that goes through 8.30 p.m. The Virginia Film Festival is six months away, but time is running shorter to enter your submission. If you live within the Commonwealth of Virginia or attend a school here, you can send in your work without having to pay a fee. 
Here's a section from their submission webpage. The Virginia Film Festival showcases celebrated new narrative and documentary features, independent and international projects, fresh perspectives on timeless classics, and local filmmakers from throughout Virginia. For those outside Virginia, the early bird deadline is June 6, 2022, and you could submit a feature for $30 or a short for $10. For reference, features are anything over 31 minutes long. Shorts are anything less. The regular deadline is June 27th, and those fees goes up to $50 and $25, respectively. Students from all over the world can submit their work, regardless of length, for $10. The 2022 Virginia Film Festival begins November 2nd and runs through November 6th. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement. In today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out, did you know we are now in the middle of the Rivanna Riverfest? A host of partners, including the Rivanna Conservation Alliance and the Nature Conservancy, are holding a series of events this week to celebrate that waterway, which helps define urban Albemarle and Charlottesville. This all culminates in the main event this Sunday, May 1st, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Rivanna River Company on the banks of the Rivanna. This will include the Rivanna River Paddle Race, the virtual Fix-A-Leak Family 5K, and there will also be water quality monitoring demonstrations, the City Nature Challenge, pop-up environmental education activities, and a guided bird walk at Riverview Park. Learn more at rivannariver.org. And in another subscriber-supported shout-out, in the same area, on the same day, May 1st, there will be an e-bike demo day at Mead Park from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. on Sunday, May 1st. A pair of interested e-bike owners in town will be bringing their bikes, and anybody who's interested can stop by, ask questions, and take test rides. They will have some e-bikes with seats for children. However, if you're going to go, drop them a line in a form that you can find in a link in the newsletter. Two more segments to go. The current Charlottesville City Council had the chance this month to check in with the redevelopment of Friendship Court. The Piedmont Housing Alliance came before council on April 18th with a request to amend an agreement that governs a $6 million forgivable loan granted in November of 2020 for the first phase of the four-phase redevelopment. The amendment is a technical one because the full amount had not been allocated by council in a subsequent budget cycle. Brenda Kelly is the redevelopment manager for the city of Charlottesville. That's a position that is currently housed in the Office of Community Solutions. This request is not asking for additional funding. This funding is already approved in this current budget. Council had no issue with the amendment. Here is City Councilor Cena McGill. This was kind of staggered some because, mostly because of COVID, as I recall, um, that Friendship Court was really trying to help ease um, some of the potential future unknown burden that we might right. be facing with COVID. The item will require a second reading, and it will be on the consent agenda for the May 2nd meeting. Construction of the first phase of Friendship Court is now underway. 
there's a link in the newsletter to a camera that updates the site every five minutes. Go take a look. Charlottesville City Council has voted to rezone nearly 12 acres of land in the Fry's Spring neighborhood in order for Southern Development to build 170 new units. They also voted for the first time on a proposal that would tie a specific infrastructure project to increased revenues that will be generated by higher property taxes due to the rezoning. Here's Councilor Brian Pinkston. This is going to allow us to get uh, infrastructure that we need in that part of the city that we would not have otherwise done. Last year, the City Planning Commission recommended approval of the rezoning, but only if Stribling Avenue would be upgraded as part of the development. Southern Development agreed to loan the city $2.9 million to pay for sidewalks and drainage on Stribling Avenue. Interim City Manager Michael C. Rogers recommended against the agreement as it was written at Council's first reading on March 21st. We did have uh, discussions uh, with uh, the developer, Stomstrong, and uh, we did come to agreement on, on a funding agreement. The amended agreement would keep the loan at $2.9 million. The idea has always been that Southern Development would be paid back through the tax revenue generated by higher assessments based on the new development. The initial agreement would have given Southern Development 100% of the new tax revenue, but that would have been against the city's policy to allocate a percentage of new real estate tax funds towards education. Uh, We negotiated that it would be 60-40, that 60% would go to repay the loan. And we agreed that for that uh, arrangement, there would be a longer financing period over. The city will also allocate $1.3 million in funding in the capital improvement program for the project, as well as to cover the costs and potential overruns. And from discussions with the engineer, that should be uh, enough to cover, uh, to cover the project. Armstrong said the $2.9 million will be available to the city shortly. The agreement stipulates that we would have those funds available and drawable by the city before we could pull a land disturbing permit. City engineer Jack Dawson said he did not have a timeline for when the roadway would be upgraded, but said planning work on Stribling would commence on July 1st, if not before. Which means finding a consultant, doing the planning, community outreach, all the things that go into uh, developing a project of this size. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook was persuaded to proceed. But if, if the neighbor's concern is that somehow the developer is going to uh, withhold the construction of the community assets until after everything else is done, that's not going to be happening. Armstrong said he is hoping to be under construction within 12 to 18 months. The project will be constructed in 20 phases. Snook said the intersection of Stribling and Jefferson Park Avenue Extended also needs to be improved. That's the kind of thing that strikes me as as a manageable problem, one that we can continue to work for other solutions. Um, It doesn't feel to me to be an insurmountable kind of a problem. Deputy City Manager Sam Sanders said council would get an update in the future of how Stribling would be maintained at a time when construction of both 240 Stribling and the upgrade to the street are underway. We will bring back to you 
more details on how we will manage this project, unlike maybe how we've done other projects in the past, because this one is such a significantly complicated and somewhat controversial uh, project. City Councilor Michael Payne said the city should be able to better analyze how much economic value a developer gets for lots that are rezoned. So that we can understand our position, vis- I don't know, even know how you say that, via vis-a-vis, whatever, vis-a-vis, the, the developer um, in a situation like this when we're in a way going to be informally negotiating. And I will say I don't think that we perhaps were careful enough in our analysis in setting ourselves up for this. Payne voted in favor of the rezoning and the agreement, which both passed unanimously. Finally today, in Tuesday's program, there was a section on council's approval of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority's approval of $23 million in tax-exempt bonds to cover the costs of purchasing and renovating Midway Manor. Councillor Michael Payne had expressed concern about the faulty elevator there. I checked in with Standard Communities and received this statement yesterday. This is from Stephen Kahn, the director of Standard Communities. We continue to plan for a comprehensive renovation and upgrade of Midway Manor, which is expected to begin later this year in conjunction with the implementation of extended affordability protections for the property. Recognizing that the elevators were in need of more immediate attention, we have accelerated the modernization of both elevators at the property, with on-site work currently underway. In efforts to minimize disruption to residents, one elevator car is being worked on at a time, with the entire project expected to be complete within the next eight weeks. And this episode of Charlottesville Community Engagement is complete. It was not eight weeks long, but gosh, sometimes it feels like it, doesn't it? I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I'll also be the host of the next one, which will come out as rapidly as I can. But of course, thank you and thanks to everybody who has contributed to this. If you are one of the people who has sent in money, thank you so much. If you're not one of those, there's definitely no pressure for you to do so. Me asking doesn't mean you have to do it. But of course, if you did, you will guarantee that I will continue to be doing this work each and every day, uh, bringing you information about all of this stuff that happens in our community. If you would like to subscribe through Substack and pay that way, the company Ting will match your initial contribution. There is a link in the newsletter to all sorts of things that you can get out of them for that. And of course, do click and sign on. Uh, There's other ways to do that, but let's get on with the show here so I can get on with the next show. Uh, I, as I said, I'm Sean Tubbs. In the meantime, I would like you to stay alert to people with scrolls of poetry. And why not write your own? Write something, put put it in the comments. Why not? Thanks for listening, and I'll be back. Goodbye.